1: All right, we are back for another week of Kingdom Keys. You're here with Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen, and Price Carter off Earlhead Pride. Here to talk about the keys to a Chiefs victory this Sunday against the Denver Broncos for, what, the second time in three weeks. So we get to face the Broncos again again this week, this time in um, Earlhead. So let's jump right into this. Uh, Price, I know you got the injury report pulled up. What what are we looking like as far as injury for the Chiefs this week? Well, as
2: it's going to be a frequent theme in this podcast, it is the tale of two cities of two teams here. The Chiefs are coming to this game incredibly healthy. Pete Sweeney, our very own, tweeted out that the only player not practicing today is Prince Tiga Wanago, who is just out sick. Everyone else on the roster will practice. That does include McCole Hartman, who we've you know gone down this path several times. He's still on IR, but is expected to be activated this week Per Andy Reid. Then over to Denver. They had 16 players on the injury report yesterday or today, <laughs> according to Mike Kliss of um, Denver News. Uh, looks like some of the more notable players that are going to be out or did not practice were uh, Greg Dulcich, Baron Browning, Randy Gregory has got a knee injury. Uh, looks like Kareem Jackson didn't practice, but that was a veteran day rest. Uh, Quinn Miners uh, was limited with a rib injury. Jerry Juni was limited with an ankle injury. Uh, Dalton, adult reisner was limited with a foot injury Cortland sutton with a hamstring so um you know there's there's a lot of dialogue to be had there but it's definitely looking very healthy for the Chiefs and very unhealthy for the broncos
1: i i, I think just going into it now i mean the chiefs have been pretty pretty healthy these last few weeks and i mean that's always a good sign getting ready for the playoffs to have all players back so i think you know this, this not might be one of our keys, but I think a major key to to this week and the next week could just be keeping us uninjured and you know, making sure we go into the playoffs and keeping the Chiefs going into the playoffs you know, as healthy as possible. Well, let's get right into the keys this week and see what we got. Let's start with you, Nate. What, what do you feel like is a key to victory for the Chiefs this week?
3: Yeah, uh, one thing I've kind of noted from last week and the past couple weeks is I think the Chiefs have been actually defending the run pretty well in the recent weeks, especially last week. And if you look at like, the counting stats, it does kind of look bad. I think Kenneth Walker had 100 yards, but it didn't feel that way. And a lot of those yards came like when this game was out of reach. And I, I had the stat, like, if you take away like garbage time and like the two-minute drill and like when the score was uh, less than 14 points, so like a neutral game script, Chiefs on first down. It was 12 carries for 38 yards versus a Seahawks running attack that's been pretty good this year. Um, I think the thing that you would know or I would know is that I think the defensive line has played really well against the run recently. We saw guys like Brandon Williams, Danny Shelton step in. I thought Derek Naughty played his best game in quite a while last week. Chris Jones had a bunch of good uh, reps against the run. Even our defensive ends, George Karloftis had a couple good reps against the run. Frank Clark had a TFL. Like the linebackers definitely get a lot of credit for the run defense, and they were very good last week. So they deserve that credit. But the defensive line is starting to stack together good run defense performances. I think they did versus the Broncos, too. So the Broncos offense is obviously not very good. It's probably dead in the water. But again, you kind of want to stack good performances going into the playoffs because you're going to face decent running teams in the playoffs. You know, it's more, there's more quarterbacks in the AFC. But, you know, if you have two safeties deep, your defensive line is going to have to dominate in the run game. And it's been trending upwards recently. And I kind of hope we end the season going into that.
2: Yeah, I I think Nate, you make great points. Uh, Shout out to you some of the work you did. I know you tweeted out kind of what the Chiefs were doing on runs that mattered. Um, To your point, and I I love the way you phrased this, the Chiefs have earned the right to rush the passer um, or or need to earn the right to rush the passer. I thought that was really great phrasing from you because the Chiefs, um, Steve Spagnuolo has always kind of asked a lot of his interior guys. And I think one thing Eric Eager's dug into this a little bit too, is that there is some insane value in having a true two-gapper, you know, stop-the-run defensive tackle. Um, And being able to eat that space up and still only put four or five in the box is a huge deal. Um, And the Chiefs, I I think one thing that's really good, it's something they haven't always had, is the ability to say, if we sell out for the run, we're going to stop it. That, That was pretty crucial back in 2019. When they made a deep run, is that they could stop the run when they needed to. Where they start getting in trouble is with some of those teams that can truly do both, right? With the Bills, with the Bengals, even the Raiders when they came in and gave the Chiefs a hard time. Um, the, the threat of Josh Jacobs and then over the top with Devontae Adams or Hunter Renfro—that's where you can kind of get in trouble. But I think you know the Chiefs dared the quarterback to try to beat him, and he couldn't. And that—that's a huge, that's a huge advantage for the Chiefs if they can do that. You know, Danny Shelton coverage, which was spags, was just really on one. I love that, that screen cap of that. But Dan, Danny Shelton, Brandon Williams, I think those are all kind of to supplant Derek Naughty, who's really struggled this year. And I'm glad that they're kind of moving off of them because I think I think there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged about the Chiefs run defense. And it's going to be needed, right? Because Josh, they put Josh Allen out there to run um, student body right or whatever they call that sweet play that he runs all the time. It's going to be, be important to be gap in a sound.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um definitely seeing some improvements over the last uh, couple of weeks. I was I was really glad to see Leo Chanel. Um, you know, is it Chanel or Chanel? I always I always get mixed up if it's Chanel think, or Chanel. I think it depends on
2: where, where your pinky is. If your pinky is right. <laughs> Chanel or <laughs> like Chanel, you know, it's whatever.
1: It's just kind of a, a how you how you feel. But, it, yeah, it, it was good to see him getting there, and I, and I think you've been seeing some progression from him over the last few weeks as well as the season. Because people, like, I think we forget that these are rookies, and transitioning from college to the NFL is not always just an automatic, easy thing. So I think we've been seeing things from him, like seeing all three of those him, Gay, and, and, and Bolton on the field together making plays was definitely an encouraging sight. I think you've seen one of Willie Gay's best games uh, in, a, in a while, and I think his snap count went up. And they, they began giving a little less to Harris now, and more to Willie Gay, which I you know, Harris played phenomenal in Willie Gay's absence, but Willie Gay needs to be on the field. And I think he's his tackling has been solid. You've seen better tackling overall from the defense the last few weeks. So hopefully that continues. And again, with, with Shelton and Williams being in there, being able to eat some of those, those blocks up. I think that's been able to keep our linebackers a little more clean to be able to come downhill. But I I do think, like Nate said, that Derek Naughty had one of his best games this season. And if we can get, you know, Shelton, naughty and Williams to be able to, you know, take up some, some, some of those blocks and keep our linebackers clean and let Chris Jones get a little one-on-one in the run game, I think we'll continue to have success going into the postseason. I think that's going to be very important to be able to stop the run without necessarily run blitzing to stop it. So let's get into the next key here. Uh, price. What 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 we got? What you think is a key to to a Chiefs victory this week?
2: Well, I think you know, uh, as as our right as a po- uh, pregame podcast to kind of mention just kind of some of the stuff that's gone on with uh, the Denver Broncos this week, right? They've fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett um, after an absolute uh, shellacking on Christmas Day to the hopeless Baker Mayfield love Rams. Um, they now have an interim head coach. This guy was not even on the coaching staff for the full season. He was brought in s- in September to be the time management assistant for Nathaniel Hackett and Jerry Roseburg. Um, he's, he's been a pretty good special teams coordinator in the past, but that's who's going to be leading the Broncos this week. Uh, the last time the Chiefs faced an interim head coach was Greg Williams with the Browns after they fired Freddie Kitchens. Uh, that was Travis, Kelsey and Patrick, uh, Travis Kelsey's return to Cleveland. He balled out in that game. That was Mahomes' MVP campaign. Um, I think I'm, I'm fairly certain that was the last time they faced an interim head coach. So it will be kind of interesting to see what the Chiefs get out of the Broncos. I'll just ask you guys, like, what do you, what do you think? Do you think that um, there's going to be a rally behind the backup coach type of the interim head coach
3: effect here? No, no, I, the Broncos, I didn't, you know, I wasn't super into like, you know, focused on last week's game, but all the fights on the sidelines, all the tension on the field, it's, Hackett was a problem, but even, like, the local guys in Denver made it seem like the players didn't, like, hate Hackett or anything like that. This wasn't, like, Urban Meyer. Um, it seems like the vibes are just awful there. Like I'm not going to blame one person on this. I think Russell Wilson probably deserves some level of blame, I mean, just honestly, compared to what it's been in the past. But the vibes are bad. They're done with their season. I, I think last week was a proof of that because you saw a team in the Rams last week. They were ready to go. They were still competing. Which they deserve credit for, it. Denver's done. They they've been bad for all this season. I you know, obviously there's kind of the interim coach bump, but even then, this interim coach has never coached beyond assistant or special teams coordinator and assistant head coach. And that was like 10 years ago. So it's the vibes are bad there. Their season's over. They just want to get to, you know, figuring out what they're gonna do in the offseason. There's already been so many rumors about what they're doing in terms of like the coaching staff. It's, it's bad. I don't think there's any chance they get some type of bump or a huge boost of energy this week.
1: Yeah, I I, kinda, I I agree for the most part. I think they'll come out and try to be more energetic. That's what you normally see. Like when a, a team gets an intern coach, kind of like that first quarter, they try to come out strong and, and excited. But I think the reality just sets in, like like they said, and, and they just they don't have it. Because normally, like what you've seen from Denver, is just bad offense for the most of the season. But their defense has been really phenomenal. And then last week to kind of lay down on defense against, you know, injury riddled and, and backup third new quarterback Baker Mayfield is like, I don't, I don't think, I think they're done. I think I really think that their fight is gone. I think they'll come out and try to fight for, for the coach. But I, I figure I think as soon as something goes wrong, it's just going to bring back all that that bad energy on them. And you'll, you'll see the same Denver Broncos. Like if we got, to we get out to a league, like we got last time, I don't think that they fight back or anything like that. Of course, if we limit the turnovers, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the interim coach is going to make too much, too big of a deal here in this
2: game. Yeah, I think it, I think it says a lot about the state of the organization right now that a very accomplished defensive coordinator and Eero Eberle did not take this opportunity because, like, you think about it from his angle, right? If the Broncos go out and suck the next two games, and he's the interim head coach, he's going to have no blood on his hands. No one's going to blame him that he can't push that turd uphill. So it's kind of odd that he didn't take that opportunity. And Nate was very nice in saying that he wasn't going to blame it on one person. But I, I will gladly put almost all of this at Russell Wilson's feet. He was clearly a problem in Seattle. Everyone talks bad about him since he's left. All the people who played with him dislike him. And here's the thing. If you brought in Russell Wilson to be what you hope he – like, he was brought in. This was this – the Broncos were in the chief situation, right? They dealt with Alex Smith after Alex Smith with Teddy Bridgewater and, and even worse than Alex Smith. Right. And then they said the same thing that the chief said, this isn't enough for us. We need to take the next step. We're tired of fizzing, fizzling out. We want to go get Patrick Mahomes. And they moved heaven and earth and gave a Patrick Mahomes like contract to a player that they expected to come in just a quarterback away. They told themselves, and he's been awful, dreadful. The gap between Patrick Mahomes play and pay with Russell Wilson is monumental. So for the for the roster that we're expecting this guy to take them over the hump to be the last piece, to be their savior, and then he comes in like he is and he's not the savior, he's the antichrist to just keep the like <laughs> biblical references going here, right? Now, not, not saying anything actually here, but I mean, yeah, I, I do put a lot of that on him. And that's even leaving out the cosplay stuff that he does, the slapping the hands, the talking through the football, the standing at the middle of the field with his hands up in the air. I don't see how that guy can lead. And I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know how they fix it next year. I, I think that it's just going to take someone who is a real, a real hard ass to come in there and just say, Hey, like you're not doing this anymore. We're taking down your private office, all this stuff that he's got going. It, it's wild. And I know that this, we got a little off topic here, but it's it's really interesting to see just kind of the, the Patrick Mahomes effect of this all right. Because this is, this is the Mahomes effect teams are going, they're going for home runs, right? They, they shot, they threw a hail Meredith to get Russell Wilson and to try to b- take the next step over the chiefs. And it may have set that organization back two or three years.
3: easily. I think their only option is to bring in competition. Honestly, like, I think they had, like, you can't draft anyone, obviously, but I think like Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, bring, you got to bring in somebody because you, what you can't do, and, and this is obviously a chief podcast, like, the thing you can't do if you're the Broncos is just hand Russ the job next year and just hire some guy that can come in and fix Russ. Because I don't think Russ is as bad as he's played this year. I, I really do think the Hackett factor is real. They've been so injured this year, but I don't think there's a scenario where Russell Wilson's more better than like the 18th best quarterback in the. NFL. He's not better than like Kirk Cousins, I think, anymore. And I guess like, what's your upside if you build your entire staff around just fixing this one guy? Because I I mean, personally, I don't think they're getting Sean Payton. I think that's entire. I don't think that makes sense for Sean Payton to take that job at all to try and fix Russ. So to me, it's like your upside is maybe like the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. And even then, like, I think that's pretty kind of high in the sky to like think that you could even get that high with Russ. So, like, if he's the 26th best quarterback and not the 30th best quarterback, that's just, you're going to lose your locker room and then you lose all credibility as a franchise.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Going back to the Mahomes, Alex Smith analogy, you couldn't survive paying Alex Smith like Patrick Mahomes, and right now their hope they would they would love to get Alex Smith production out of Russell Wilson, right? So the roster construction there becomes even more difficult, and you cannot continue to hang your hat on a, on having a great defense because it, it it just it's not consistent year over year. You know, you think back to like the two wolves of 2016, 17 Jags that had that great defense. Oh, you know, they just need help on offense, and they'll they'll get it. And then they sign Nick Foles, and that defense crumbles, right? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's incredibly interesting. I I think that head coach job is not nearly as desirable as some people want to make it out to be. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting uh, to go come full circle. Yeah, Maurice, my um my key to the kingdom here is going to be tackling. I think one of the best things that the Chiefs did last week is it seemed like every open field tackle they made, they were doing a great job wrapping people up. When they got their hands on people, they limited yards after catch, yards after run. Um, I was looking through some tweets uh, from, I believe it's Marcus Mosher who might have put this together. Um, he does quite a bit of stuff for PFF, but he was talking about uh, limiting big plays. And Steve Spagnuolo's defense, uh, sorry, Arjun Minnan, he also worked for PFF, but uh, Chiefs are third best in the league at limiting big plays, which kind of shocks me. And honestly, if, if we had told ourselves that at the beginning of the year, what I was expecting from this defense was boomer bust. I was expecting, like, flash plays from the athletes and then giving up the big plays, like we saw last year with Dan saying and some of those other blown coverages. That has not happened this year. The Chiefs have done great at that. They can continue to limit yards after the catch, yards after contact, and, you know, make those open field tackles. This defense is going to be – good enough to, to you know, carry this offense across the finish line um, or vice versa, I should say. So I, I'm very excited about what the defense is doing right now. And I think if they continue to tackle the way that they have been, it's only going to mean good things. And, you know, going back to like 2019, where the defense kind of surged there at the end with some poor defenses that they were faced or poor offenses that they were facing. Defense is all about confidence. I, I truly believe that. If they start hanging their heads and feeling like they can't do it and they get beat into submission by good offenses, it's hard to go out there. But they start feeling themselves. I love seeing some of the, you know, you brought up Leo Chanel playing more. Um, I think that's great for tackling Brian Cook being – I felt like I saw more Brian Cook last week than I've seen in a long time. And it was good to see both Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams making plays out there too because there for a while it was, you know, we know it was Jalen Watson in the beginning, and then it became Joshua Williams, and now they're kind of mixing and matching. I, I, I love that. And I think this is a great team to do it, right? There's not a ton of athletes out there, not a big tackle breaker. Shavante Williams isn't on the field. Wrap up, bring them down to the ground, stay healthy, and get out of there.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our
1: fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that, man. I think tackling is it has gotten better and needs to keep keep stay there, so we can keep improving. I'm interested to see how moving, you know. How they how they do a luxurious speed this week? And I think he's like second on the team in tackles with like 101, if I'm not mistaken, and that's huge. But a lot of those happening with them in the, you know in the slot area and, and being like the last couple of weeks we've seen them kind of move around with the best receiver, which I think it's been very effective from a coverage standpoint. But I I wonder how that's going to affect tackling. Now it, it does seem like uh Trent McDuffie is a willing tackler as well from that slot position. So I think the versatility of being able to move these defensive backs around used him as a tackling, of course, Nick Bolton had a had a crazy week. I think he had 18 total tackles, um, last last week, and a lot of it was was good downhill, coming downhill tackles, and not you know kind of some of the. Stopping the big play or six or seven yards down the field tackles. These were actually some solid tackles. So I think if we can keep like that, I think Willie Gay had nine things like that. if we can keep those that production in, in tackles and it, it's all about where they're making the tackles, right? That's that's become more of the of the focal point because that's a lot of knock been on Nick Bolden is yeah he got a lot of tackles but where is he making the tackles at? I think the last couple of weeks he's been making those tackles closer to the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that's going to be big to continue that. Any input on that, uh, Nate, far as tackling goes? No, I you know, I didn't think it was a huge
3: problem last time the guys played. It, it was, I guess, in the second half, especially when they allowed a lot of those things. But, yeah, it was a very good tackling performance last week um, versus Seahawks. I, I don't have, like, the stats, but I feel like the Chiefs weren't missing anything. And that was, like, all around, like, Justin Reed made a few good tackles. Our cornerbacks have always tackled well in the Steve Spagnuolo era. I'm not uh, – Dave or Sam Madison was their cornerback coach. I don't know who it is anymore, but – Their cornerbacks have always tackled well since they've been in Kansas City. Um, But yeah, like Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, you know, sometimes they miss tackles, but they didn't last week. Even our defensive line, I feel like has been pretty bad at tackling, but they were making tackles last week. Frank Clark had a few tackles, and that's something he's been poor at in Kansas City. So, yeah, again, it's kind of one of those things I mentioned earlier. You just want to string together good performances going into the playoffs. And it's not like Denver has a bunch of groundbreakers in terms of weapons. So, yeah, it just... Wrap up, bring him to the ground, and you're going to get off the
1: field. Yeah, I think it's a great, a, another great. We like Price said to get that, to keep stacking up that confidence and building that confidence. Is it is it Merritt? Is it David Merritt now? Um, I think the the, the, the defensive back coach now for the Chiefs. I think Madison yeah. went back down to Miami. Yeah, so I think yeah, yeah. I think it's Merritt. Merritt yeah. was
3: the safeties coach. I, I think he might be the full time defensive backs coach, now. I okay. have someone with him. I don't know who's with him though. Okay.
1: Yeah, i seen something come out earlier today too saying how they was going to stick with, I I guess a question that got asked to the defensive back coach about, you know, if they're going to stick with Watson versus Williams and how that was going to look. And he kind of said, hey, they both kind of have a a different skill set. That they, that they both bring, which I, which I feel is true. They both do different things well. He's like, so we're just going to keep rotating them in and out depending on the matchup and things like that, which I think is going to – it helps keep the offenses off, off guard because they don't know who they're going to face and who's going to you know where to pick on that. So I think that will be good. My, my, my key for this week, man, I I, I really want to focus and get the Chiefs – I think if we're going to have – if the Chiefs are going to have success in the playoffs, they're going to consistently have to have these wide receivers involved. And while the offense, you know, put up 27 points last week, and it was it was a for the most part they ran into a little three or four drive spat where it just didn't look solid. You know, we wasn't getting they wasn't getting things done, and it looked like it we stalled they stalled out a couple of times. But besides that, the offense looked pretty efficient for the most part. But it was really just the Travis Kelsey, and even that came on just that you know that that last big drive where Mahomes and Kelsey really put up the yardage. Besides that, it was a lot of short passes and things like that, where it was really nothing without receivers got involved. I think Mahomes ended the game with, let me see, 224 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, only one sack. Good, I mean, solid performance. But then out of that 224 yards, 113 of that was to Kelsey, and then 63 of that was to Pacheco and McKinney. So that, that you know, that that left our wide receivers. Let me see uh, who Ron, our very own so Ron. Yeah. Yeah. So last week the Chiefs wide receivers
3: thirteen targets five catches forty yards.
1: Thirteen targets, and that's I think that's the biggest thing here to look at. Thirteen targets and only five catches. That's less than you know fifty percent of the catches being completed. Now with some big drops, like you know Justin Watson had a had 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 a couple of big third down drops that kind of actually made the offense stall out. Those times that, that that it did stall out, we at least probably get three. On, on two of those drives if we convert those third downs, right? So I think that's a key here because I think out of that 50-something yards the wide receiver had, Juju had 27 of them. And for a minute there, we were seeing Juju stack together some pretty nice games. I think he needs to be more of a focal point of, of getting him involved early um, going into the playoffs to, to be able to keep that consistent, They've been still bringing Kadarius Tony around slowly. Of course, we get the return of Miko Hardman back. But the biggest thing I think there has been a discussion this week that you've seen in uh, Chiefs Kingdom from a Twitter standpoint was, you know, how much Justin Watson has been playing over the likes of the an MVS and over the likes of Scott Moore. And then some stats went out of how many targets that Justin Watson has got versus how many targets Scott Moore has got. And targets has been slow completely in Justin Watson's favor, but yardage is about the same. So, I really think just getting our receivers consistently involved. If Pat is going to have three hundred yard games, three hundred fifty yard games. You, you, you know, Travis Kelsey is going to get his, and, and having Travis Travis Kelsey with a, a hundred yard <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> wow, with a hundred yard game, um, we always like to see that. But I want to see it more balanced and get our receivers involved.
2: Yeah, we were talking a little pre pod here. Um, we were talking about the Justin Watson versus NBS dialogue. Um, it's, it's, you know, these injury game plans where they're not putting a lot on tape and they're trying to get through healthy, they're always a little wonky. You know, there's always those kind of like design fullback tunnel screens. You're like, well, what are we doing here? Um, but to, to your point, I, I do wonder a little bit about, are we, are they trying to see what life would be like without Marquez valdez Cantling? Um, he's cheaper to cut than keep next year. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that he's been a tremendous disappointment, I've heard people describe that as a terrible contract. There's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, which is more or less what this is. It was worthwhile. But if you can get Justin Watson to do 95% of the things Marquez Valdez Scantling can do for about 60 to 40% 40 of the cost, it it might be worth it, right? Um, We're talking about every penny and dollar for the Chiefs as far as what they're going to need this offseason. So I I do wonder there's been some experimentation with that. Personally, I don't see it. Uh, Marquez his upside is just more the bil- the ability to go up and do the contest to catch thing which he's not great at he is still kind of a body catcher and he seems to do great if it's over his head anywhere else he can't do it but the the roller coaster of him as you know making some tremendous catches then dropping some frustrating balls he- he's trending towards having a career high in yards here in Kansas City I think You know, I I think it's worth probably keeping him around. I wouldn't want to supplant Justin Watson as his replacement.
3: Yeah, you know, it's almost playoff football time, right? And what do most really good playoff teams do, Um, especially Bill Belichick, but even a lot of teams, they take away what you do best. And I actually thought Seattle did a really good job defending Kelsey last week, for the most part. I know Kelsey had that one really big drive um, where they had a couple coverage busts, but besides that, I thought they defended everything the Chiefs did well, and You know, whether it's replicable for another team or not, we'll see. But some team in the playoffs is going to limit Travis Kelsey. Who that is, we'll see. But they're going to at least focus, I guess, on stopping Travis Kelsey. If that's the case, one of these wide receivers is going to have to step up. Or two or three. They're going to need production from a bunch of different guys. Um, And last time, Kelsey had a – you know, Kelsey didn't have his best game last time versus Denver. I thought some of that was just – Timing was off between he and Pat. I don't think it was anything they did in particular. But, you know, it's going to have to be something that we've kind of had a roller coaster on wide receiver for the most part this year. But someone, and who knows who it is, I hope it's Juju, is going to have to be critical in the playoffs. And, you know, figuring out your rotation now that everyone's back, figuring out exactly what you need out of them in the playoffs is going to be big, and this week can be a start of it because you have two-week kind of run Runway until the playoffs to kind of dress rehearsal, I guess.
2: Yeah, Ian Wharton was doing some kind of film breakdown, looking at Kadarius Tony just in the snaps he had with the Chiefs. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter; he's a good follow for film breakdowns. And they were so close to hitting on a really big play to him. It was that uh, like mid-crosser, Mahomes just kind of like threw it off his a little too far behind him. Yeah. But uh, Watson was downfield. Locked up on a block and he had nothing but green grass in front of him. What that's a player that you want to see that. So I think they were really close with some of that. And, and I do agree. I think I think they're just in this experiment phase and they're seeing what they can get out of guys that are, are lesser players. You know, like what are, you know, what can we get from Kadarius Tony, Noah Gray, Justin Watson, um, those guys. So that way when it comes time and they need to make a play, because they're the last guy on the field that people are worried about, they can make those big plays.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what's going to be needed. Like, I, I think this offense is better than last year's offense. I, I really think, I think we're deeper in the receiving room and in in in, in the totality of things, a better offense. I do think we're less dynamic without a Tyreek Hill, right? And and I really think it comes down to ball tracking. Like, Tyreek Hill, I mean, and if you watched the Miami game last week on a deep pass, like, he has a phenomenal ability to track the ball when it's in the air. And I think that's something like on an incomplete deep pass, uh, they seen a couple of weeks ago to, to Justin Watson that that Mahomes threw off his back foot in the end zone 50 yards in the air. Justin Watson simply just didn't track the ball well. Like it was a great throw, he just didn't make the proper adjustments. Um, I think the timing with Tony and Mahomes spend this next couple of weeks getting that timing down, and that and that'll be fine. And, and getting McCole Harmon work back in there, but like like Nate said, somebody in the wide receiver room is going to have to step up and be consistent and be able to count on for that you know, at least 75 yards to 100 yard game consistently, because teams are definitely gonna focus on Travis Kelsey as they should and be like, hey, Kelsey is the person that's not going to beat us and, and make and make that. And we should see. I love the fact that Mahomes taking some of the check downs and, and, and getting the ball into McKinney's hands in space. That is, over the last few weeks, that's turned, turned out very well for us. I think he should continue to do that. I think if you looked at the film, he had a uh, Sky Moore open. That probably, probably would have been a huge game, if not a touchdown. But he took the underneath the Kelsey. But of course, if you see one-on-one with Kelsey, that's going to be your first look. You ain't looking nowhere else, which I which I understand. But I think if you go back and look at that film, you see Sky Moore open, then Mahomes will kind of look that way next time. So yeah, I think getting the, getting the receivers involved would be, be a huge thing. So what are we thinking? I know it's a it's a, it's a tough week based off um, how we jumped out to a 27-0 lead last time. And then that'll roar back and make it close. Nate, what you thinking from a score prediction standpoint this week, man? I've already kind of alluded to it. I I don't think Denver is coming out with a lot
3: of energy this week. I mean, why? If I was a Denver player, why would I even play hard for this guy? He just came in our building like in the middle of September. It'd be one thing if it was Evero as their defensive coordinator, or some you know who's done a really good job. That they probably hardly know this guy. I'm sure he doesn't have a huge impact on what they do day to day. And there's two weeks till the playoffs. They have absolutely nothing to play for. They, it, there's just – the Chiefs were dominating last time these guys played. They had one really bad five-minute stretch. And I think they're going to come out this week back. Let's not let that happen again. I don't think Denver is going to have any will to get back into this game at all. I, I have the Chiefs winning 37-9. I think we're getting backups for the most of the second half. I just – this is almost like unprecedented, at least in my recent memory, of like a team that just has absolutely nothing to play for at all. It's a team full of veterans. It's a team with a quarterback that they don't like. Who? It's a team without a coach. A coach they brought in. The this is like the Colts of Jeff Saturday, but honestly, just as bad. It's just not getting as much coverage because it's the end of the season now. I I see no way Denver can keep this game close.
2: Yeah, for me, um, I. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of the same boat. It's really hard to call for anything less than a blowout here. The Broncos, they're about seven or eight days away from hitting the beach. Um, it's a team with a lot of veterans on it, too. Um, I always think that they're a little bit more likely to kind of give up quicker. They, they're they not fighting for their first contract in the league. Now, there is some youth on the team, obviously. Greg Dulcich is a pretty good tight end, and he's probably going to miss this game. Uh, Judy and Sutton are both on the injury report. Honestly, I think the Broncos might be worse with Cortland Sutton on the field um so he's just he's not explosive and he seems to be Russell's security blanket and um Judy obviously as we saw in the last matchup was a little bit better of a weapon for them to target and also we got to stop with this like the Broncos have a great defense that might be true next year we'll have to see how things go but that's you know they've they've played with some pride for sure but also I do believe that teams we're not putting their their A-plus offensive game plan out there against that defense, knowing that they only need to score 20. Broncos' defense last couple of weeks, uh, last four weeks here, or five weeks, 407 yards against the Raiders, 349 yards against the Panthers, 285 yards against the Ravens, 431 against our Kansas City Chiefs, 240 against Trace McSorley Cardinals, and 388 against the Rams, including 113 rushing yards and three tutties for one cam Akers, who the rams were like trying to flip for a seventh round pick in the deadline it's hard to see every anything coming up here other than chiefs i'm gonna go 31 13 i think the game like you know i, I don't know I, I feel like we'll probably be a little frustrated that it's not bigger um i, I think that just the big thing is we saw pick six in the last game Russell turns the ball over that's going to lead to blow up territory really quick because they just cannot score
1: yeah i'm in the same i'm in the same boat with y'all I I don't I don't expect this to be anywhere near close like last game. Only reason it was close last game is because we had those two turnovers in that five minute stretch that let them back in the game. I don't foresee that happening. Um, ever since that game, Pat has been very. You know, very more efficient with the very much more efficient with the ball in his hands. I think that continues this week. I think we jump out to a big lead again, and then, like they said, I think we see some backups. I think we Chad Henney gets on the field in the fourth quarter. this game? I really, I really think we see that. Um, so, I'm going to go probably 35-13. I think it'll be somewhere around there. I wouldn't be surprised if they did put up 40 in this game. Um, I think we've been a long time coming. I've been hoping for that 40, and it, ha- it hasn't happened. But I'm gonna go 35-13 think broncos do get one score and then a couple of field goals and that, that that'll really be it for the game but i really don't think they, um, that they'll fight for this at all i, I, I think they, their mind is already in the offseason trying to figure out where do we go from here so so yeah i think this will be a big win for the Chiefs, and hopefully you know get some some more continuity down and some more some some confidence builder and then we'll go in there and the Chiefs will go in there and beat up on the the Raiders next week and we'll talk about that next week how that all stuff going on there in las vegas it'll be interesting interesting conversation as well so yeah i think that's it i think we'll we'll have a big win and she she should she coast this one out all right, y'all. Well, that's another week of Kingdom Keys. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow Arrowhead Pride, Reese Nichols, Price Quarter, Price Carter, Nate Ch Thirty Two. You can follow us all on on Twitter. Um, y'all see this episode? Like it, share, comment. Tell us what your keys are, and we'll see you all next week for another episode of Kingdom Keys. We're out.